Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's live edition. <laughs> it's been a kind of a long summer. Uh, the first, not the first live episode since since like July, but the first time that Carrie and I had both been here at the same time. We've been we, we've had dueling vacations, not just us two, but also Walter, our producer. Uh, we've all gotten some very, uh, I I will uh, humbly say, well deserved uh, break. The news did not did not take a break though. And I'd like to. I'd no like to say. Fact. I, I'd like to say that um, I should probably go on vacation more often. I remember the last time I went on. Um, I went on parental leave in like August, September. All of a sudden, Republicans started collapsing in the polls before the midterms, and then the narrative completely shifted. When I left, it was like. Democrats are doomed. And when I got back, it was like, Republicans are doomed. And, I'm, and now <laughs> here we are. Here we are. And uh, so um, I don't know. I feel like we should go on vacation more often because a lot of good news drops in that time. Yeah, I'm not I'm not against going on vacation more often. I'm not going to lie. I, I like the I like the sound of that. But uh, <laughs> so much happened. We're going to all talk about it. Today's uh, episode. We're going to be talking about Donald Trump and indictment and then Donald Trump and another indictment. And uh, are we done with Donald Trump indictments or so there might be another I mean, one. Maybe I, Jack I, Smith I, might have one in New Hampshire because there's a Bedminster stolen document. I don't so want to even be another. Donald I don't want to underestimate. Let's not sell Donald Trump short. You know what I'm saying, Marcos? Let's not. <laughs> a couple hundred accounts. He, he's got a couple more in, the, in, the, in his pocket. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, greatest crooked president in history. He's, he, he pulled it off. He did it. Congratulations. We're going to talk about Ron DeSantis. We're going to talk about abortion and the Ohio ballot initiative. So much happening. And you know what this all, you know what the underlying theme or the overlying theme about this, Carrie, is? Remember, uh, let's go back two years ago. At this point in the 2022 midterm cycle, we were saying at that time, we were saying abortion, it's going to be a midterm issue. And democracy, the MAGA, Donald Trump assault on our democracy are going to be issues. And we were like way out on the limb. Um, we didn't think so because it seemed yeah. really obvious. We were looking yeah. at the data. We were looking at the political reality. We were looking at, we weren't like pulling this out of our butt, right? Like we actually, we, we had a, argument and the counter argument at the time was well the economy inflation is high joe biden is unpopular which are not bad counter arguments right and history that was the argument right history uh the party in power always loses the midterm election except for in extraordinary circumstances we didn't have those last year and yet the democrats were able to win that midterm election um so that theme carrie not only has it not changed but the abortion issue is supercharged. It's even more deeply ingrained in the electorate. And we just saw that in Ohio. We'll talk about that. The MAGA assault on democracy. Holy crap. Like it was prevalent. It was it was present last year. Now it's not even like center stage. Now it's like elevated spotlights, fireworks in the background. Like <laughs> It is. It, it is. So we're going to have courtroom cameras with Donald Trump as a defendant. I mean, this is a whole nother level. Yeah. Inflation is under control. We have record yeah. low unemployment rates. Looks like the soft landing. The, the the soft landing might happen after two years of yeah. here comes the uh, here comes the recession. Yeah, the recession, yeah, right. And Joe Biden may still not be getting the credit that I think he deserves, and his numbers aren't bad. 
But now history is actually in our favor because the party in power in the White House usually retains power. The power of incumbency is massive, so much so that Joe, uh, that Donald Trump almost won uh, in twenty twenty, despite Joe Biden's absolutely abysmal. Um, despite Donald Trump, Donald Trump's abysmal poll numbers at the time, sure. right? He was even sure. so so. We still have all these issues that led us to victory when history was against us. Now history is with us. The economy is with us. And those issues are even more in people's faces than before. I mean, sure. so now I don't think we have to go out on a limb and say, Democrats, if everybody does their work, we never take anything for granted. We never assume. We learned in 2016 the folly of, of uh, being overconfident. But if everybody does the work that, I, that I'm pretty confident we will because the stakes are so high. If we all do the work and we all um, um, and Democrats push the issues and they are, they, they understand very clearly that democracy and, and abortion are top of mind issues that trump everything else. No pun intended. Um, sure. Like, I don't think we're on a limb anymore saying like we're, we're things are looking good for next year and Republicans cannot quit those issues that are killing. Oh, goodness. Cannot quit oh, Donald Trump. Unreal. They cannot quit pushing for even more draconian abortion restrictions. It's unreal. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, no, it's crazy. And I, I kind of like the way um, Simon Rosenberg always says, I'd rather be us than them. And I think that's just a good way of saying, like, we have a better, you know, electoral position than they do right now. Um, and I tell you what, I mean, the, what's interesting is, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I always watch uh, Joe Biden's approval numbers um, they're not moving much. They're stuck in civics. I watch civics tracking all the time. They're stuck right around. He's right around 39, 40% approval, um, you know, with like 50 something disapproval, 57, something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I, first of all, I doubt how much they'll change maybe ever, right? We're so polarized at this point. I would be shocked if he ever got back to 45. And that has nothing to do with whether or not he's a good president. You know, I, if he hit 45, I would be like, we're winning the election. <laughs> like that's, we, may, that's, we may have some rallying around the flag with some disaffected Democrats right now say that they they – don't. But there's a lot of contrarianism, too, right? It's cool to be like, yeah, I don't like politicians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you have to remember the civics number incorporates, um, there's a third option in the civics tracking, which is not sure. So yeah. a lot of people, a lot of um, uh, uh, polls force people to choose, and they just say, you either approve or disapprove. The people who who are in the not sure category in civics are most of them end up would if they were forced to choose would come down on the side of Joe Biden. I say that only because everyone who doesn't like Joe Biden isn't going to say they're not sure. They just absolutely, right, right. you know, so. Yeah. Um, but I, what, one thing I have noticed, so I just wanted to point this out, which is um I listen to to people who run campaigns and strategists all the time because I've never run a campaign. I've covered a lot of campaigns, um, you know, presidential and otherwise. And so I have that perspective and I bring that perspective with me. But but one thing I always talk about is how much time it takes it takes for a a you know, upswing in an economy or an upturn in an economy to sink in with the electorate. And, um, and you know, really somewhere between the spring and summer of next year, um, people's feelings about the economy will probably 
be frozen in place almost, you know, no matter what happens between then and the election, right? So you want to be in good position right around spring, certainly latest summer of next year. And that's, and sometimes, you know, people have been in a position, like I listened to Joe Trippi the other day talk about campaigns where he was like, I just pray we have enough time for the economy, which is turning around to sort of like the electorate to catch up with it, right? And, um, and what, what we've got is a situation here where the, the, the economy is actually on the upswing in plenty of time to, for the electorate to catch on. And I am starting to see a change. So I just wanted to bring this up. Um, I'll probably write about it in the next couple of weeks. Um, in in uh, civics, they ask a question um, on the tracking poll. Do you think President Biden is doing enough to create jobs? And right now, and then this is going to not sound great, but I'm telling you the trend line is good. Right now, 41% say yes and 49% no. That eight-point differential is the closest that number has come together since I've been watching it. So it's been tracked since um, he assigned the he signed the American Rescue Plan, or a little before that, you know, since the beginning of his presidency, and it's the best it's ever been right now. 41% yes, he's doing enough to create jobs. 40% no. So those two lines are, you know, they're 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 converging, they're coming together. The yes is going up, the the no's going down, and this is the best that question has ever tracked. So I think people are starting to catch on. So I will, I will, you know, what's really interesting about the whole economy thing, maybe not even interesting, what has been so remarkable about Democratic performance in the last, in 2022, and probably 2020, but 2022 was very stark, is that Republicans have always voted on abortion. Like it was the thing, the Supreme Court abortion. And they didn't care. I mean, they so little cared about anything else that they supported Donald Trump, which, you know, if you're a Christian conservative, Donald Trump is sort of the epitome of the most morally bankrupt, most disgusting human being possible. There's nothing. He doesn't even pretend to go to church. Do you have to be Christian for that to be true? or is it- No, 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 no. <laughs> but you have to be religious right to yeah. suddenly not care oh, okay. about okay. that. I get it. I get it. Right. Yeah. That's okay. the hypocrisy. They've been crying about how Democrats are not pious enough. And then they get somebody who doesn't even pretend to care enough to learn how to properly cite a Bible verse, who doesn't even pretend to go through the motions of going to church. Uh, but then suddenly he's perfectly acceptable to them. And not only that, but they literally worship him. It's become a cult. They've been single issue voters. They didn't care about anything else. Democrats were like, oh, Hillary's emails, you know, eh. like th- <laughs> Liberals have been absolutely the worst because we, oh, we're so intellectual and we're, you know, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and we'll be really, really fair. And, oh, Democrats have just been crying wolf on abortion. They always say that Republicans want to take it away, but the Supreme Court has said that we have that right, ignoring the fact that Republicans and courts have been chipping away at those rights for 50 years uh, prior to the Dobbs decision that finally put an end to all of that. So suddenly, you had in 2022, you had a new generation of Democratic voters that didn't care that Joe Biden was unpopular, didn't care that the the um, inflation was high or that the economy was shaky. They all they cared about was abortion. We have we have finally reached that level. And what it means is that we have a much more polarized electorate. It was always it's been more and more polarized. Right. This idea that you're going to have a you know Ronald Reagan style landslide election or 
um, where, you know, Canada's going to win 49 states. Like that, that's history. It isn't going to happen anytime in a long time. We are polarized. But they were very polarized in a way that, that benefited only them. They were single issue. We were not single issue. Now, I don't, I don't think it matters in the macro picture whether the economy is doing well or not. People don't care. It's Donald Trump, our democracy, and abortion rights. What it does do, though, is on the margins, it takes away a headwind. So Democrats had a headwind. They had, they had to argue, or I think they did the better thing is they ignored it, right? They ignored talk about the economy in 2022. And we all remember the punditry being like, oh, Joe Biden really screwed up in his closing argument because he didn't talk about the economy. He only talked yeah. about democracy. And, and in fact, he didn't, it turned he didn't out to be, point out what everybody was considered considered to be the, our weakest, you know, exactly. like Achilles heel. He should have brought that up and talked about it more right at the yeah. end. <laughs> and now the economy is not an Achilles heel anymore. And to the point where you, when Republicans try to talk about that, now they're just making stuff up like I remember two dollar gasoline a year ago. No, there hasn't been two dollar gasoline since like 1992 or 1989. It's been a long freaking time since $2 gas gas. I keep wondering what the heck they're going to run on. I mean, they keep saying, well, I want to get back to the economy, which is getting better, better than it's ever been yeah, in, they can't. Long, in decades. And then they say, and we, we want to run on immigration and, you know, and, and, and immigrate like illegal immigration boarding border crossings have, have plummeted under, yeah. you know, the new regime that, that, that Biden put in the Biden administration put in place. So like, you want to know a secret? What, you want what? to know a secret, Carrie? Yeah, yeah, tell me. Ron DeSantis showed us. They they claim it's about social issues. They claim it's about woke. You mm-hmm. they got the candidate that literally did all those things. They he did all the anti-woke things. He's a literal fascist, uh, book banner, uh, cruel to to humans, right? To immigrants. He did yeah, everything right. they claimed to care about. He went to war against Disney because they were too woke. And he tanked because nobody gives a crap about that. No general electorate will ever give a crap about any of that. None of it makes any sense or is relevant to people's lives. But I think Ron DeSantis's collapse over the summer, we knew it was going to happen. We talked about it. I don't think we thought it was going to happen this fast. No, it happened fast. Yeah, it happened fast. And he didn't get his like day. Like usually candidates get their moment in the sun, right? Like he didn't even get that. He, He immediately tank from day one but it shows that they don't care about woke because even trump's not going around yeah he'll talk about woke but he doesn't talk about that's not what he's running on donald trump is running on me 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 and i and it's the cult right and there's enough cultists in the republican party um because remember donald trump his party they didn't even have a party platform there is no trump ideology there's no set of issues that trump will ever run on that's why i'll say things are better when i was president america was great like there's nothing tangible he can point to and say like that's me that's what i stand for because he only stands for himself and that's pretty obvious and so they the republicans and fox news and they all convinced themselves that their anti-woke thing was was resonant but it's not. Nobody cares. It doesn't make sense. And I think you've written about it. I've written about it. When people poll woke, it actually polls really well because it's like, oh, you care about what other people's feelings are. That's that sounds nice to me. Well, and yeah. also Democrat. I mean, Republicans haven't been able to to define it. You know, they're not like, like, what is woke? Well, I don't know. Woke is, you know, it's, it's anything uh, I don't like. It's bad. Yeah. Right. It's anything I don't know. I mean, I don't like it's uh, it's anything that's even remotely I associate with Democrats. You know what I mean? Like so, that. 
that's it. So it's just some. It's what are they going to run on? I mean, Hunter Biden. They're going to try to keep pretending that that's a thing. Um, I was just seeing yesterday, or maybe it was today. Um, we're recording this on on Tuesday. I was just saying that some Republicans were saying they were even going to skip an in, a, a impeachment inquiry and just go straight to the vote because they can't even they can't even argue it. Right. No. So they know they can't actually make a case. There's a very real chance House Republicans would just have a vote to impeach. So Trump, Listen, so they can say Biden I, was impeached. Here's 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 what I got to say. And I wrote this. We'll see you at the ballot box in 2024. Seriously. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to go ahead and impeach and have zero evidence and have just a total sham. I mean, the, the electorate doesn't like impeachments. Nancy Pelosi avoided for the longest possible time impeaching Trump because she knew that electorally it wasn't great. It would, could be disastrous. I mean, you know, ask, uh, uh, Newt Gingrich, how how yeah. well that went for him back in the 90s. Right. So, you know, she really tried and tried to avoid it until finally, like there was that recording of him, um, you know, extorting Ukrainian President Zelensky um, for, you know, over try, you know, a Hunter Biden him, investigation over, over Hunter Biden <laughs> investigation. I mean, right? it's the same story. Right. For- how many right. Years Exa- exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and in, and then, you know, obviously, and then January 6th played out uh, across America live on, you know, on TV screens. And so she had to, I mean, there was no choice. Uh, uh, you had yeah. to impeach. Otherwise, it was like, sure, anyone can just, you know, the president can just orchestrate a coup anytime they don't like the results of an election and, you know, you get get off scot-free. But um, so, I, I mean, it, it is... Uh, it's sort of um, stunning. I mean, it's a stunning situation. They have they have almost nothing um, to run on, and, nothing. Uh, not, and, a, and not even almost. I wouldn't even qualify that because yeah. even even immigration, which he claimed that that Biden's uh, immigration plan would would create a flood of new immigrants. We actually have one of the lowest levels of, of border crossings that we've had in decades. Yeah. And you know what so, he did? You know what, what Biden did, which was so simple? He allowed people to apply for asylum in their home countries. So right, they, online. People don't want to work with coyotes to get them across the border. People die. They get raped. They get, you know, you know it's horrible. It's a horrible experience. If you can do that in your home country, of course, you're going to do that. Question. Do you do you know where the because there is a lawsuit against that. Do you know where that stands? Someone's someone's suing the I mean, a, a no. judge may have temporarily blocked that program, which was working, um, say, and, and I just, I wonder where it stands. I'm not sure exactly where it stands, but in any case, the, the but that's, program- that's what good policy is as opposed to you have Greg Abbott yes. putting razor wire, you know, razor wire on, uh, in the Rio Grande, yeah. in, the, in the Rio Grande, which, you know, you're going to have floods here in rainy season and that stuff is going to, you know, wash down the river and it's going to, you know, non-immigrants are going to get caught up in it and wildlife. And I mean, just they're horrible people and they think cruelty is policy. And quite frankly, obviously, there's an audience for cruelty because Ron DeSantis is president and people support the Republican Party. I mean, he's a uh, governor. Yeah, but right. it is it is a limited amount of, of, of support and they can't escape their bubble. And they think like this woke stuff, right? I mean, they, they convince themselves because they get all riled up over it. They can't define it, like you say, but they're riled up about it. And they just keep getting further and further away. And here's where this is, is important because obviously there's one swing constituency and that's uh, 
college educated uh, suburban voters, mostly white, mostly female, but I actually mm -hmm. seen hints at even white college educated men in suburbia starting to like be like, oh, I don't want to be associated with the likes of like Nick Fuentes, you know, these, these, yeah. these disgusting <laughs> incel anti-women. It reminds me of a friend of mine in a, in a purple state when we were coming out of um, COVID and one of her friends said, well, or she said to one of her friends, they were going to a public event and, they, and she said, well, should we wear our masks? And the, and the woman said, yes, of course. We don't want anyone to think we're Trumpers. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is. Yeah, it was a lot easier back then. That was a good way to differentiate. Like, I hope they all wear their MAGA hats. Like, you know, I need to know who you are so I can stay away. But they are doing everything possible to further alienate. I mean, we're seeing that with the abortion issue. We saw that in, in Ohio, where the effort to basically destroy the ballot initiative process failed by uh what was the final margin Nine Oh points? god it was like uh 14 points or oh, something no, 14 like points. that yeah, four, yeah it wasn't it was even 14 close. points for a state that uh yeah. donald trump won by eight points this so is we're talking a massive just to, shift just to back up of course this is a um we just want to let people know in ohio right which which donald trump won by eight points in 2020 um and there was this proxy vote in august i'm sure most people followed it followed it hey, wait, um, wait hold on even even more backstory there is a abortion rights amendment in Ohio in November. Right. Okay. right. Yeah. That's why it's I was going to say it's already, a, on the it's ballot. A, already on the ballot. That's why this was a proxy vote. It was a proxy vote to try and stop, to try and make it harder to pass that uh, abortion, that uh, uh, abortion rights amendment that is going to enshrine abortion protections in Ohio's constitution in November. Right. And so, so Republicans schedule this, um, this vote on on trying to make raise the threshold by which you can pass something and enshrine it in the constitution at the ballot middle box. Middle of summer, yeah, middle yeah, of summer. Right, middle of summer, a sleepy August. There's going to be low turnout. I mean, what's really interesting to me here is that Republicans still haven't figured out that they have slowly but surely been been just losing the suburbs, right? And even in Ohio, like the the thing about planning these um, these ballot measures or any vote where you think it's going to happen at a at a low turnout time for Democrats, which it used to be a real problem for us. Well, now suburban voters are largely voting with Democrats. And even if they're not vo always voting for Democrats, they're voting with Democrats on ballot issues. Right. So like yeah. in Ohio, there were people who went to the poll and, and it polls in August and turned back this effort to stymie um, this November ballot measure, because even if they still kind of vote for Republican candidates in Ohio, they still believe that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to curtail their rights as citizens to bring ballot measures. And suburban women especially are deeply committed to keeping access to abortion prevalent in the state. So so they so Republicans are planning, you know, some, a vote at a time that they think it's going to be a sleepy August, um, you know, vote. And instead, they have this wild three million voter turnout, which that is, you know, off the charts in terms of anything they've seen. Yeah, yeah the Republican secretary of state was was originally the guy who put it on the Republican secretary said who's running against Sherrod Brown for Senate next right. year. Originally estimated, yeah, yeah. Originally estimated about a million people would vote, and three million yep. did. 
yeah, he just he underestimated just a touch. So, you know, they're they're in a lot of trouble. I mean, and this matters not only because um, they they lost this and it continues to show the salience of this issue, even in red states like Ohio. But Sherrod Brown is a very getting him reelected. Um, he's a Democratic senator in a red state and getting him reelected and is extremely important. One of the most um, liberal Democrats. One of the senators. most liberal. Um, in but, a eight point yeah. Trump state. Right. So um, so that, you know, it's not it's unclear. We don't know who his challenger is going to be yet because they haven't had the, the Republican primary. Frank LaRose is one of the top people. Now he's searching for an issue because he was a big champion of this ballot measure. And it went down. He's in still flames, talking so. about it. He's still I know. saying he hasn't let go about the abortion stuff. So here's why this is so critically stupid for Republicans and what a huge opportunity for Democrats. Ohio is a great example. Uh, Sherrod Brown has his incredibly difficult reelection campaign next year. We just mentioned that. Um, if Republicans were smart, they would look at the numbers and they go like, yeah, this abortion issue isn't really playing for us. Now we can't, we can't now like change our minds about abortion, but we can just like shut up about it. Like they can even make the argument, let the people vote. Yeah. And, right. And, and, and just kind of like stay above the fray. Like they would have had this, this summer, uh, ballot initiative, but what they did is we just spent three months in Ohio branding Republicans as the reactionary, anti-woman, anti-choice, anti-liberty party. Now we get to do it again in November. So we're going to spend another two, three months, you know, from here on to November to make sure that this amendment passes again. And they're fighting it instead of just like backing off and saying like, all right, you know, okay, we lost. They are doubling down and, and pushing hard. So now you've just spent almost, you know, big chunk of 2023 Branding Republicans as a party, the anti-choice, anti-you know, the reactionary, anti-liberty party. Now, Jared Brown can spend next year basically riding that whale, uh, riding right. that wave, and <laughs> saying, "Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not one of, yeah, I'm not one of those." And I will make sure because all these Republicans are saying they want to pass the same law, but they want to do it in Washington D.C. and they want to bypass all of us. They want to impose that, and I will be a bulwark against that. And not only will that work for, for Sherrod Brown, but but um, Ohio itself, I'm not going to say it's going to be competitive at the presidential level, but no, eight points not. is not a big swing. I mean, we're talking about a four or five point swing in our direction. And it's a different, it's a different uh, ball game. And so you're starting to chip away and you have all those suburban voters in, in Ohio have lagged, you know, in the Cincinnati and Cleveland suburbs have been pretty red they have lagged, like in Wisconsin, they, they haven't swung as hard towards the Democrats as, as we've seen in Georgia, as we've seen in Arizona Mi and other states. Michigan Colorado. and yeah, and yeah, Pennsylvania. Michigan. Yeah. And so, again, you're just spending a six months branding your Republican, branding yourself as extremist and opposed to things that you believe in. They are creating those single issue voters. And it is incredibly difficult for people to change a partisan affiliation. I mean, yeah, not not I mean. People, their political belief is like a limb. There's psychological studies that changing your party is like losing, like having your arm ripped off. It physically hurts to say, like, I was wrong my entire life. I was a Republican. Now I'm a Democrat because it's like my whole life has been a lie. Right. I mean, people yeah. don't do that. It's safer to be like, oh, that's just an anomaly. Or maybe this time I'll vote for a Democrat, but I'll still... And what Republicans are doing is that they're 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 overcoming that physical pain of changing parties by providing real pain, like tangible yeah. pain that affects people's lives. 
let me yeah. let me just throw out one more thing and then i think we should just real quick hit the um we got to real quick just hit where we think the because uh, we already talked about DeSantis a little bit, but where we think the GOP uh, nomination yeah. is. And then um, I definitely want to <laughs> let's end on a high note of two indictments that have dropped criminal indictments that have dropped against Trump since we last were on here live together. Um, but in Ohio, I just want to bring one other thing up, because this is something that's not just true to Ohio, but it's true about how the um, abortion issue is starting to break break up the Republican coalition, which is after they lost, there was a whole lot of, after the, the Republicans lost this ballot measure in August or this vote in August, there was a whole lot of finger pointing, right? It was like Yosemite Sam, like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it, was, it was you, you know? Um, so, um, but it, it was, uh, what was interesting was the um, uh, Susan B. Anthony um, pro-life America sent out a, um, you know, within like minutes of losing of the thing being called, sent out this really pissy statement where it was like, well, this is unfortunate. And, you know, we lament the fact that I mean, they didn't use the word lament, but they're just paraphrasing the fact that, you know, the Republican politicians, some Republican politicians here weren't out front enough about this vote and uh, and the business community wasn't on board with it. OK, so I just have to say, first of all, you know, they just lost the vote because their position is stinks. Right. It's yeah. unpopular. OK, so just, you know, take a look in the mirror. Right. Um, but like Ohio Governor DeWine, who's a Republican, he was on record. I mean, you know, the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, his whole, you know, uh, he drove it. his yeah. whole identity is about this. I mean, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of Republicans who came out and supported um, the measure in order to try and reduce, you know, it was, it was really a fascist measure. It wasn't just about abortion. It was a fascist measure that was going to make it harder for the citizens of Ohio to amend their own constitution, right? and give yeah. way more power to the state legislature. Um, but so, th but what was interesting was, is that they pointed out the business community, which a lot of businesses, there's like five or six main business, um, big businesses in that drive most of the revenues in Ohio. And three of them sat on the sidelines. They didn't want any piece of this. And, you know, I think the Chamber of Commerce didn't come out in support of it and whatever. So what you are seeing is the fracturing of a coalition that used to um, hang okay together because their their policy aspirations didn't necessarily conflict with each other, even if they weren't necessarily totally on board with the aspirations of the other, right? Well, so nobody like, thought abortion was going to be outlawed. Uh, yeah, know? yeah, right, exactly. So it was easy so, to pretend that it didn't it was matter. Easy, it was easy, all... right. It was easy for the business community to sort of, you know, back the pro-life community and the pro-life community to back yeah. the business community. That is not going to work going forward for Republicans. And that is that is a coalition. That was a fundamental part of their coalition is that they had both the business community and um, and pro-lifers in right in tow. And the business community was a ton of money. Right. And the pro-life community was a ton of evangelical voters. So it was Boots both the ground. The, yeah, and not right, the voters, money, but the actual knocking on doors. Yeah, crowd. knocking on doors. Yeah. So this is a this is a disaster in terms of it splitting this coalition and fracturing this coalition, and it's not going to get any better for the Republican Party going forward. And actually, that's a good segue to Ron DeSantis because this week he's he's crying uncle with his battle against uh, Disney. The war really? on woke Disney. You know what? He's just he's just moved on, quote unquote. 
uh, that's what he <laughs> that's what he told yeah. CNBC. You know, we've just moved on. Really? Really? It, I thought it, this was like the war on woke Disney. Weren't they horrible? And you had to take them down, Ron? Yeah, he was um, asking them to, to drop the lawsuits uh, against yeah, the state he's trying because, to, he, because he's personally moved on. Yeah, right. He's trying to wriggle out of this lawsuit because he's getting taken to the cleaners. He's been outmaneuvered by Disney. But let's not, I mean, we could we could spend a lot of time on this, but let me just give you where I think we are in the race, okay? It's not going to surprise anyone that Donald Trump is totally dominating. He's up over um, DeSantis by nearly 40 points yeah. in the national aggregate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is. He has consolidated the vote in Iowa where DeSantis has gone down. He's consolidated the vote in New Hampshire where DeSantis has gone down. Chris Christie's come up a little bit in, in New Hampshire. In some polls, um, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina has come up a little bit in New Hampshire. And in some polls, um, Senator Tim Scott of Iowa uh, of South Carolina has come up a little bit in Iowa too. But, um, but basically like no one right now is, while DeSantis is on the decline, no one has been able to sort of step into the void yet. And it's possible, it's, it is highly improbable, but still possible that maybe, maybe someone like Tim Scott catches fire at the last second with evangelicals. I mean, Pence is out. Pence is now, you know, full on, I mean, somewhat to his credit, not calling him a hero, you know, just ca- calling out, you know, Trump for having violated, asking him to violate the Constitution, saying he shouldn't be a president, anyone who asks for his personal needs to be, you know, put above the constitution, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for getting there very late to the game, um, Pence. But, you know, Pence is out. Um, uh, DeSantis, it's hard to see, you know, some people have- some people have said, well, you know, this is kind of where John McCain was. He dropped a single digits before he staged his comeback in people 2008. People like John McCain. I know, and John McCain <laughs> liked people. I mean, that's, 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 did John McCain like Crazy. cut his... I was listening to an old staffer and John McCain cut his bear, his staffing down to nothing, drove around in like, I think an old beater or something rental car and like stayed in slimy hotels and motels at the cheapest possible rates. And the guy was like, even I thought it was a little gross. Like I didn't want to stay in these places in my twenties. You know what I mean? And John McCain would just wake up in the morning and be like, this is great. Let's get out and see some people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, that's not going to happen. Anyway, I think, I really do think, I think DeSantis is toast. I think there is a small window of opportunity for someone like Senator Tim Scott to potentially overform, uh, overperform in Iowa. And then maybe, maybe it disrupts um, Trump a little bit. But let's just be clear about one thing before we move on to indictment territory, that even if Trump is consolidating the vote in the Republican primary, it's most it's not because of his strength it's because of the weakness of the field yes. and he is not he is not a better general election candidate than he was he's still a terrible general election candidate it doesn't mean it's an easy win i'm just saying that he is not he he is not a strong candidate he's a weak candidate that is benefiting from the fact that they have a you know just a talent deprivation on the republican side right now so to that point um there is a phenomenon in in presidential primary politics that we we can go way back where generally speaking in a in a truly competitive primary multiple candidates get their moment in the sun right the, the, they'll peak in the polls because 
everybody's giving them a good look. You know, Howard Dean, you know, right. Wesley Clark, Elizabeth Warren, mm -hmm. uh, on the Republican side, like even uh, um, well, even you know, Ted, Ted Cruz had a moment, and yeah. Marco Rubio had a moment, and I'm just thinking yeah. about you know. So you know, what happens? It, what happens in those moments is that the rest of the field collectively trains their guns on that front runner and takes them down. And usually there's somebody who does a kamikaze run, you know, kind of like what, what Chris Christie's trying to attempt right now, but it's the collective pile on. And it is incredibly hard. And I would argue even for Donald Trump, if, you know, you're seeing this in, in Georgia with a lot of Republicans, including Brian Kemp, the governor saying like, yeah, we ran a good election and, and Donald Trump tried to steal it. And I'm a Republican and I'm saying that, right? But they're lonely voices right now. If there was a collective pylon, and it doesn't even have to be the broader party establishment, if it was those Democrats, those Republicans in the field that are not Trump, if they all of them, there's like what eight of them, yeah. if they all collectively trained there's their guns with technically a more than that, but yeah, yeah, with so, a yeah. with a relatively unified message, and you don't have to coordinate; it's easy, right? Like he's multiple indicted. Do we really want to go into a general election with somebody who's facing jail time? It's not a hard message. If they did that. I promise you it would take it would it would bleed Trump support because it requ they require the, especially conservatives right it's a machine and they're a bubble and you pierce that bubble and if you have a loud enough counter voice people will start to to second guess or at least start like oh yeah if he is facing jail time how's he going to go to how's he going to be president and so that is the particular weakness. It's not even that the candidates are weak, and yeah. you know, but if they all piled on, it would actually have an impact. And it is They're amazing to me that they claim to be running for president, but other than Chris Christie and a little bit of a recent Mike Pence, they are afraid to criticize their front. DeSantis is inching towards it. Um, he's actually been made a little bit of a change, and uh, and you know, he admitted he admitted finally that Trump lost the election and that. Um, President Biden was a legitimate. He, and you're just going to watch him tank in the polls because he's he. Nobody likes him anyways. They've all decided that. Yeah, <laughs> you see was, that one? It was out of weakness. Had he came out yeah, of the yeah. gate? Oh, I agree. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. Oh, I know. And, I'm, we're not. I'm, I'm not arguing with you. But it's just. Yeah. It's, at this point, you change your message. It's weakness. It's yeah, it's like, weakness. yeah, what, what changed? I, especially, what changed? especially, yeah, especially when you're like, when you're, when your trajectory in the polls yeah. is like this, everything you do is going to be seen as weakness. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's desperation, it's, it's, you know, so, so yeah, I, I, I agree. So um, let's talk about, you know, a, a front runner who might end up, um, you know, running his, uh, his campaign from jail. <laughs> 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 it, it is it's a very happy thought i'm not gonna lie like um, um and you know it's it's the, the federal case you know there's multiple indictments they all look pretty good everything looks pretty solid but that georgia one that rico charge which is actually shockingly easy to prove uh they need to prove two criminal acts and they have a list of like a hundred of them and it's just like pick like <laughs> like yeah, yeah. you like pick whichever two criminal acts you want you got it's got a five-year mandatory sentence right uh, uh minimum minimum mandatory sentence and and there's some question about whether you know you can you can substitute it with parole the da in the case said you cannot and uh and nobody would serve full five trump wouldn't serve a full five years good behavior he'd be out in six months or something right but he may actually be in jail. I mean, it right. may actually happen. Well, 
August 23rd is the Republican debate. Come to dailycoast.com. We will be covering it. So anyway, um, so that's just back on the Republican debate. It's going to be fun. Um, okay, August 23rd, mark your calendar. So anyway, um, he, this situation, uh, it seems like maybe because there's so many people in this RICO indictment, people are sort of doubting whether or not she's Fannie Willis is going to be, even with her sort of aggressive six-month timeline, if she's going to be able to get it in before the 2024 election. Um, but people believe that there is a real possibility that the Jack Smith, the special account, counsel in, uh, indictment for conspiracy to overturn the election, the federal indictment, that that, because he's solely focused on um, Donald Trump, uh, may be able to get done before the um, the election. So what's interesting is that I honestly think that, um, and I didn't come by this myself. This is something that I got just from tooling around and I saw Simon Rosenberg mention it. And then I sort of was looking around, you know, the, there could be so many more indictments that stem from what happened in Georgia. Um, you know, they, they, she mentioned like without, without necessarily, um, you know, including anyone or naming, you know, anyone, she mentioned the efforts in, um, in New Mexico, in Nevada, in Arizona, it, where it, where the attorney general has just opened a investigation in Michigan, where Dana Nessel, the eternal attorney general there has already um, charged 16 people in the fake elector scheme in Pennsylvania. So, so there could be, there could be months, even after the election. Um, and even after that RICO case comes uh, before the courts, there could be months to years of, you know, of um, criminal cases that spin off of it, that, you know, continue to come. And I honestly think that we should view the Republican response to it. I mean, Ronna McDaniel admitted in her January 6th testimony that um, she had been contacted by uh, Team Trump to like, you know, put together or compile assemble a group of fake electors. I mean, they didn't call them fake electors, but alternate electors. And she tried to explain it by saying, hey, you know, I, I just thought they were, you know, contingency planning if it turned out that, you know, it wasn't called for Biden or something like that. But there's so many people that are potentially implicated. I bet you there's a ton of Republicans going to bed every night, you know, thinking, oh, my God, I hope this doesn't get to me. Lindsey Graham. Well, yeah, Jenny, right. Jenny Thomas, <laughs> Lindsey Graham. I mean, Lindsey Graham wasn't named in, in her indictment, in Fannie Willis's indictment, the Fulton County DA. But, you know, it's exactly that type of person who, you know, he pro he could, you never know. And, and he was the one who was saying today or yesterday, I think last night um, about the indictment. Oh, this is coming from liberal jurisdictions. The liberal jurisdiction of the United States of America is that you know it's like like what are you talking about? This is the federal government. Every single States. every single witness and every single federal uh, DA working on this case has been a Republican or Republican appointed. There's yeah. not a single Democrat now here in the Fulton County. Okay. Finally, yeah. there's one Democrat involved. Well, that's what but, he's trying to. Yeah, he's trying yeah. to say, you know, he's trying to like paint it all as. Yeah. But every single witness has been a Republican and they have all been Trump associates. So mm -hmm. it is posit 
you know, it, it's absolutely, I mean, in the grand jury on Monday in Fulton County, one of the, one of the witnesses that testified before the grand jury was a former Lieutenant governor, a Republican. I mean, right. who's been very, very clear about how pissed off he is at, at Trump for trying to subvert democracy in his state. Sure. So, it is. It is. I mean, they're going to say it because, of course, they got nothing else. They, and they've decided that they're not going to actually distance themselves. I mean, because they, they could easily say, like, yeah, we don't stand for subverting democracy. We believe in the right of people's vote and let justice, let the court, you know, let the legal system determine whether Trump was guilty or not. That's the easy mm -hmm. answer. You distance it yourself from that. They can't do it, which leads us to since we're running out of time, the, the overarching theme from the from the beginning, right? Abortion and our assault on democracy and Republicans inability to distance themselves from that. And that is going to be the theme over the next year as we, you know, as we move closer and closer to that presidential election. It's going to give us a lot of opportunities. I think we're going to have we're favored to win the House. We may actually hold the Senate. I mean, given these dynamics. And there is a scenario where we we actually upgrade the Senate because we lose Kristen Cinema, but we get Ruben Gallego. We hold everything. We may yeah. actually have the votes to, um, to have a better get rid of the a, vote. a better majority, not not a bigger yeah. majority, but a better majority than we had. That's possible. I mean, that is a tough road to hoe. Uh, it it's is. much easier to see our path to the House, and it's you know much easier to make an argument about it, the path to the White House, hanging on to the White House. Um, the Senate is a, is definitely going to be challenging, but it's possible that this Republican Party could, you know, could once again do what people used to fear about Democrats, which is still, you know, still uh, uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, you know, that's what people used to say about Democrats all the time. Well, the Senate has done the Senate Republicans have done that for the last two cycles. Yep, absolutely. So that is going to be our show. But, you know, everybody sort of says like, oh, don't say that we're going to win because people get complacent. You want to not get complacent. Think about the Senate. Think about all those races in critical states because we're mostly playing defense in Ohio, in Montana, in West Virginia. Yeah, even West Virginia, in Arizona. Um, we are playing defense in some incredibly difficult states. And the only two offensive opportunities that are, you know, in within the realm of possibility are Texas and Florida and Texas and Florida are particularly great opportunities, but we can create those opportunities. And this is going to be our jobs as activists and as people that are fighting this fight is there's no way we can be complacent. We remember 2016. We know how we thought it would be easy to beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump will never be easy to beat. He, he it's a cult and yeah. there's no logic or reason to people, we can't understand why people cling to him so hard. It's just, I no, think it's beyond, because it's, it's a cult. I don't understand why anybody would support a cult leader. That's what they have become. So we can never underestimate the power of that cult. We're going to fight hard. And I know all of all of us, 2020 is still, or 2016 is still too soon. Like we'll never get over 2016. That yeah. nobody wants to feel the way <laughs> we felt November it was election so night, 2016. <laughs> it was, was the worst. So... It was the worst. And so we got that. We we can maximize our gains in the House. We can hold the Senate. And there's a if we fight hard enough and if we get some breaks and if if Ted Cruz is as much of an a-hole as he always is and alienates so many people, he you know, we may have an opportunity there. You never, I mean, Colin Allred in um, the the guy, um, the Democrat running for uh, the Senate seat and running against Cruz. I don't know. We're probably going to have a primary there. But, man, he's a good yeah. candidate. He's a good candidate. So. So it's we're going to have to fight hard. And, of course, we want to win the presidential with as much of a margin that there's out of the margin 
margin of them trying to do shenanigans because they still have a bigger Supreme Court majority. Yep. Can I can I add one final one thing? more point? One more yeah. point, which I think is really interesting, which is we've been talking about how we should be excited about the opportunity to, to smash the MAGA movement to smithereens. Right. Just like give them such a drubbing, give the Republicans such a drubbing that they actually have to, you know, like switch course. I, I feel like we could do it at the ballot box in 2024. And at the same time, something like this, you know, really widespread um, RICO uh, prosecution and other um, indictments, criminal indictments that stem from it might, might actually be a chance to cleanse the Republican Party a little bit and rid it of some of its MAGAism um, at both from both an electoral standpoint and a and a legal standpoint, a, a criminal standpoint. So, you know, it's like those two things working together might finally start to break up this ridiculous cult that is that is threatening our country. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people lost their abortion rights. I don't think anybody's feeling complacent about that. I don't yeah. get the sense that people are like, eh. And so I'm not too worried about us being complacent. I'm excited about us fighting hard to win next year. So as I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I, when I did the show, um, now's a fun time. Like we're, we're in, get the popcorn, enjoy the spectacle that is the Republican shit show because it, there's never been anything like it. And, it is it is a historical moment for us to sort of enjoy, but but this is also an opportunity for us to rest and recharge because the fight's coming and we're going to be ready for that. And they're going to eventually come together. They're going to rally around. You know, they're gonna they're gonna close ranks, and it'll be on. So I'm excited for us to get there. But for now, let's enjoy this because this is so much fun. So, Terry, thank you so much. Uh, glad we're you know we got the team back together. Uh, Walter as well. We're all finally back from from our vacations, summer vacations. Thank to you, the reader, viewer, listener, everybody who's working with us with Daily Coast to be part of this movement for our democracy. Couldn't do it without you. Glad to have you guys as fellow travelers. This is a historic opportunity for us to deliver those that crushing blow to MAGA. And I, I, I'm really excited about uh, that challenge ahead this next year. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being here today, for listening to us. And we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.